Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the perfect podcast to blare from a boombox as you stand outside of your ex's window trying to get them to take you back. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. And you know what? They're fucking sorry, and maybe it's time for you to forgive them. Have you ever seen? Huh? Have you ever seen that movie? Huh? Maybe you're uh, <laughs> the the one with where he holds the boombox Lloyd... up and he's wearing a trench coat. Yes, a movie that whose name escapes Roy, me what? just now. Yeah, uh, Cusack, John Cusack. Yeah, I was gonna say almost famous, but it's a different movie from the same director. Um, man, we're off to a great start today. Did I mention I'm one of your hosts? I'm Marty Schneider. You're the other host. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. Fuck. We're doing great today on this one. This is... Uh, oh, honestly, this is, we're not helping them get their ex back with this opener. <laughs> we're kind of, if anything, holding them back. I mean, if your plan was to hold up an Andy Griffith Show podcast, I'm not sure what you're, you're, you were hoping for there. I'm sorry. I almost said that we're Breaking Mayberry, a show about wedding planning, because that's all that is in my brain right now. Oh, uh, you got another one? No! i have a different story a couple of weeks ago uh i took sarah to pittsburgh you ever been to pittsburgh dan lovely city yeah yeah great for work yeah it's it's, lovely city it's like a disney version of philadelphia i I feel that way too it's like it's like philadelphia in a video game version where like and the reason i say it's like a video game is that every person i spoke to gave me an assignment or like information or something, um, and I'll get to one of those assignments later. But there was something very weird in Pittsburgh. By, by the way, Pittsburgh's a great time. Go to the National Aviary. I paid extra so that Sarah could see an owl, like meet an owl and like hang out with it. It was adorable. She cried. Um, so Pittsburgh is built on several rivers, and you got there are a bunch of bridges that go through town, and. We were crossing one of these bridges and somebody had gone on a spree of like marker poetry, Sharpie graffiti, Mm. right? Some real just I'm 12 and this is deep kind of shit, you know? Nice. Uh, Except a lot of them didn't think about where they were like in relation to the world. Some of it was just like, you know, try kindness or, you know, a lot of like... Wherever you go, there you are kind of bullshit. But then there was stuff that was like, if you fear it, you should probably do it. Which is normally fine advice on LinkedIn. It's not a great, it's not great advice when you're on a fucking bridge. (laughs) It's terrible advice on a fucking bridge. You know what else is terrible advice on a bridge? If you want to fly, you've got to let go of what holds you down. That's also really bad advice on a bridge, but some of this stuff really got into like existentialism. Some of this stuff was really questioning the nature of reality and who you are. And then we got to the end of the bridge. It's a very large bridge. And we got to one that was just Sharpie written, Memento Mori. Literally, remember to die. Remember death as you, cla- as you, as you walk upon this bridge. 
Marty, these might have been the last memoirs of a guy that killed himself. No, I, I, I had been. that thought. I had that thought. But the same handwriting continues from one end of the bridge to the other. I don't know if he went back on the bridge or whatever, but at least once he made it from shore to shore. So just one of them is just throw away your antipsychotics. <laughs> you are in the matrix. The only way out is to commit suicide. So, I mean, like, imagine, imagine if they had just stopped halfway through, though. That would have been so fucking great. So the city of Pittsburgh, you know, lovely place. And the, OK, so I also spoke to a gentleman who told me a lot of things. We talked for about five minutes and I knew all about his family, his uh, health, his uh, motorcycle injury, what his mom did for a living. I spoke mm-hmm. to this man for, again, five minutes. But he told me about uh, the Mr. Rogers statue, the Mr. Rogers tribute statue, right? Because Fred Rogers was from Pittsburgh. That was his hometown. Uh, he referred mm-hmm. to him as Fred. Everybody in, in Pittsburgh apparently refers to him as Fred, which I thought was very sweet. That's very nice. And he told me to go check this out when I was like, okay, it's not that far. I'll walk over to it. He mentioned, like, you get there and they've got, like, recordings of Mr. Rogers, like, talking to people or talking through things. They've got recordings that they pipe through. Uh, and it's really nice to hear. And he, he said what will remain with me for the rest of my life. He said, as soon as you walk in there, it's like having human value injected into your veins. And Aww. I was like, that's really nice. Uh, and he told me, though, that the statue is a little weird for an artistic choice. And I said, I don't know what that means. But I got over there and I walked in and it is exactly the way he described. You hear Mr. Rogers' voice. And I was prepared to cry, man. Like, I can't even wa- I can't watch the documentaries or anything. You talk about Fred Rogers for a minute and I'm going to bawl. But I come around the corner and I'm, I'm facing the background of it. Dan, I'm going to I'm showing you a picture in Discord of the Mr. Rogers statue. Uh, okay. Um, I gotta, I gotta open that in its own tab <laughs> to really take it in. It looks like shit. It looks, he looks horrible. It looks he awful. Looks like- it looks terrifying. And I didn't even get really close in because. If you get really close, it looks like he's melting. It looks like he is made of wax. I stared at it for about four minutes in in complete silence. And Sarah's like, you okay? And all I could say was, well, I guess he would have found something nice to say about it. It is hideous. It is a terrible thing. He looks like a bad guy in the new Ant-Man movie. (laughs) He looks horrible. He looks like dog shit CGI. I'll tell you, if anything, that doesn't look like Fred Rogers. If anything, that looks like Don Knotts. Yeah. No. Oh, my God. They put so much life into his eyes. It's like, it's it's sort of like, it's a very realistic face. It's just a bad face. There's so many teeth. There's so many teeth to it. It's like a, it's like a nine chickweed lane strip. There's so many teeth. That's a reference for only a handful of people, but I I, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's it's, it's visually upsetting. He looks like the, like, like they were do when they were making the, the first Lord of the Rings and they were doing Gollum and (laughs) they were like doing their, like they were halfway 
through turning him from Andy Circus into Gollum, and they were like showing the behind the scenes shit. That's what he looks it's like. Terrible. It's, it's one of the worst statues I've ever seen in my life. It I, looks like he's still rendering in PS4 graphics. I'm so happy he was dead. I'm so yeah, happy he oh. never saw this. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that they made Mr. Rogers cut. <laughs> like, they were just going to be like, yeah, they made Mr. Rogers weirdly jacked. I mean, maybe he was. We're not complaining about it, but it's weird. You don't know what he was packing under that sweater. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah, uh, so that, the, there you go. You asked for an opener, and my opener is uh, I went to Pittsburgh and, like, slightly weird things happened. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. What you got, the buddy? Last time I went to Pittsburgh, um, I was there for, like, like 12 hours and eight of those hours I was working. So we got in at like 3 a.m. and then left at like 3 a.m. again. Um, and uh, while I was there, a guy that looked like Santa offered me a bag of apples. And at one point we were walking along the bridge at like the middle of the night and a guy on the other bridge just waved to us and went like, good morning. And I just immediately yelled, where the fuck am I? <laughs> I was in no mood for Pittsburgh's twee bullshit. <laughs> Pittsburgh, too nice of a place. Yeah, Pittsburgh, we get it. All right, man. Uh, Chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, good good energy we're bringing today. Look, folks, I, I got to tell you, this, this episode is definitely one where we were like, we, we needed to get something out. We need to, to give you a, a, an episode because we're basically taking the entire month of April off because I'm getting married. And, you know, it's not the best energy to come into a creative project with. To be the, the like, eh, we just got to get them something energy. But I don't feel that bad because God damn if these two episodes of the Andy <laughs> Griffith show didn't come in with exactly that same energy. And I'll, I'll tell you right up front, folks. One of these is a manhunt. One of these is Manhunt. I was thinking, trying to figure this out, Dan. Is this Manhunt 4 or 5? I think it's Manhunt 5. It we I think it's technically Manhunt 3, but we've had a bunch of mini Manhunts in there. I, uh, we had We had like Woman Hunt. We had it was like, we, we had like an Ocean's 8 in there. There was a Woman Hunt. And I'm going to yeah, exactly. I'm going to count Woman Hunt as Manhunt 4. So I believe this is Manhunt 5. And man, I got to tell you the Manhunt franchise is it ain't what it used to be. No, man, it doesn't even do. I, I was going to say, we're not going to do our high pitched Don Knotts voice uh, manhunt scream because I listened to one of our old episodes and it is audio poison. But it, this, you know what? This doesn't even deserve it. This gets a manhunt. 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 It is, in fact, a manhunt. And I can't tell you like how disappointing this was. When I watched this episode, I like. Took a video of De of Andy and Dawn saying, we got a manhunt? We got a manhunt! And I took a video of it and me going, yes! And I texted it to Dan, like, manhunt yeah. time! We got content, baby! Yeah! We get to yell a bunch and compare this to an action movie. Which, I guess we could compare it to Turner and Hooch if we really want to. We don't have to. Nobody's making us, but we could talk about Turner and Hooch. The Airbud franchise is also taking a really weird, uh, weird spin. Yeah. I'm surprised there wasn't Cop Bud. Has there? I actually can't guarantee that there isn't, but I'm. I would be surprised if they didn't go into Cop Bud. 
There's no rule in the books that a dog can't plant cocaine on somebody. <laughs> That's what they trained him to do. Yeah. Of course, we're talking about season five, episode six, Barney's Bloodhound. Uh, airs October 26, 1964. Written by two guys we've never seen before, Bill Idelson and Sam Bobrick. Let's see if they did anything interesting. And directed by Howard Morris, who is also hey. who also plays Ernest T. Bass. And I think there's a voice on this. He does like a he's radio the voice, voice of the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a bad writer <laughs> slash whatever. He, was he the director on this? No, he yeah he directed it. He we're gonna hey, see Bass. him as a director a few more times this season. And here is your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney tries to use a dog to catch an escaped convict. Uh-huh. No, that's it. That's it. That's absolutely accurate. That's it, period. Um, that's that's it. Yeah. I mean, and that's also the end of our commentary on it. <laughs> we got we got to do something here. We got to do something. All right. It opens up with Barney storming into the jail like very quickly. He's in a huff and there's a gag here I do not understand. So weird. What is the name of the of the guy they're trying to uh, they're trying to listen to? His name is something stupid like like Jeffrey Peebles or something. Leonard Blush. Thank you. So they're really excited to hear Leonard Blush, who is not a real person, but they say Leonard Blush, the masked singer, is on. Which he's on the radio. What what does it matter? Yeah. Who cares if he's wearing a mask? I okay. Oh. And they they just like to know that the guy is wearing a mask. It, it adds to the experience. They'd be like, man, even if we were there, we still wouldn't know what the, this fucker looks it like. It makes it much God, better. the exhilaration. You, you can you, the uh, the mask really comes through in the radio. But here's the yeah. thing: Leonard Blush is a preview is a callback to a previous joke. Don Knotts, if you remember, Barney in one episode uh, is taking singing lessons from a woman named Eleanor Polstis. And he says, oh, you know who she trained? Leonard Blush. And they get really excited oh. about Leonard Blush. So it's this recurring gag, except you can't really call it a recurring gag because it only happens this time, the other time, maybe once more. But we're watching this more than any human being is meant to. And we still we did, didn't pick I up on that fucking really gag. look it up. Yeah, I had to go. Yeah, I thought. Who is Leonard Blush? Is this a real person? Normally, I'm normally I'm pretty good about picking up the pop culture references on this show, but this time I had to be like, is that an actual guy? Yeah, we're recognizing patterns between episodes that is not advisable. We are like breaking the warranty of this television show, and it still went over our head. So this is one for the people that are obsessive now and have access to streaming services. So they're, they're really excited to hear Leonard Blush, but we don't actually get to hear Leonard Blush sing, which I think might add to the joke. I don't know. This might have been funny if they had kept it going for like a few more episodes. We get to hear him, we get to hear him sing like for five seconds, and he's like an old Irish tenor. And, and also, it is it is Howard Morris, right? It's Howard Morris again. Yeah. Uh, and then Howard Morris interrupts himself to say, all right, we're interrupting this to for breaking news. There is an escaped convict. He's on the loose, and he's left. You know, Raleigh, Durham area. And of course, you know, y'all know where it's going. Barney gets really excited. Barney gets as excited as we are because he's like, manhunt! We've got a manhunt, Andy! 
Steaks. We have steaks. Fuck yeah. And Andy, Which, who, on his fucking the Xanax IV drip they've got him on this season, is just like, all right, maybe. I don't know. I'm not even going to entertain the possibility that we may have to engage in meaningful police work. Yeah. There's no, no, there's no, not a, no likely. There's not a chance in hell he's going to go the other way. I'm basing this on absolutely nothing. Like, there is no precedent whatsoever about dangerous criminals coming through town and us having to use our wits to deal with them. That has never happened, and it will never happen over the course of this it show. It certainly hasn't happened three to five times before. Like, yeah. <laughs> A manhunt here? Us? In this economy? He's so not happening. weird about it. He's so weird yeah. about, like, just, that's not going to happen. Put Leonard Blush back on. Yeah. I want to hear this guy with the mask. I can really hear the mask. I want to hear this guy's masks. (laughs) This guy is so fucking masked up right now. God, I need to hear it, Barney. Turn it back on. Hey, Barney, what do you think? Maybe he wore a different mask every week. What if, what if they were just and you like, had to identify? So it's the mass singer. It's literally the mass singer. Except, except with the mass singer, they wear the same mask every week, and you got to figure out who's under it. I like the idea with this one. You just had to guess what mask he was wearing. Ah, uh, <laughs> I bet, I bet it's one pig mask. I bet it's one, one of, of them, them fancy uh, masquerade. Bet it's one of them phantom other that that their opera masks there. <laughs> that that's what he's rocking this week. So the next scene. Barney runs out. He's like, "Where? I'm going to get ready for this manhunt that is definitely going to happen. And he comes back and he's trying to hide something from Andy. He's like, hey, any uh, any news on that on that manhunt? On that, on that felon? And Andy's kind of response is, uh, well, I heard he was coming this way, but he probably won't. Barney brings in a dog. It's, it's actually some credit where credit is due. Donuts is doing some great physical comedy he's, here. Do, he's he, doing his thing. You know, he's doing... It's good. Let's give him... I know we're tired, but, like, the way he is struggling to hold on to the door as he tries to get into the jailhouse to drag this dog in is pretty fucking funny. Um, And basically, he bought this, like, old, partially blind dog. Yeah, he just got a shitty dog. There's this trash dog uh, that whoever sold it to him told him is a uh, half bloodhound, which um, it's not. It's clearly has no bloodhound in it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, the person sold him a whistle that is supposedly makes him obey commands, but just fills the dog with rage. It's just it's just a um, dog whistle. Were dog whistles new? Like in the well, 60s? It, it was supposed to be the thing where you blow in the dog whistle and you say something in German and then the, the bloodhound you get attacks somebody. I don't think they even got that far. I think it was just like a, a whistle. Yeah. Just gave him a whistle that pisses the dog off. Yeah. So basically somebody played a dog prank on Barney um, and sold him the most useless dog Uh the most actively useless dog. The best the best um, kind of pranks are the ones that end in a dog biting you. Yeah, basically. Oh, that is a great prank. That's a great prank. Tricking a guy into getting attacked by his own dog. Classic YouTube that's, prank. It's solid. It's, uh, that's like an entire half hour of ridiculousness. I, I like that basically um, the dog that is the subject of this... Uh, of this episode is basically my fucking dog. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I was thinking it the whole time. Your dog sucks. 
the most aggressively unhelpful dog possible that is currently doing some sort of violence in my kitchen that I'm trying to overlook. Can, can we walk through this? What what humor does Don Knotts attempt to derive from this? So the the big joke that they do with this dog is Don Knotts says, like, listen, I got us a tracking dog. He's a bloodhound. I give him a scent. It's he's going to go for whatever he smells. He'll be able to track this guy. No problem. Um, so Don Knotts gives him a uh, Floyd scent and has him track Floyd. Um, and the dog just kind of like meanders around town, eventually wanders into Floyd's uh, Floyd's establishment. You can, see, you can see Don Knotts nudging the dog. You can see him nudging him with his yeah. leg. Uh, and yeah, just basically shoving him towards the end goal yeah. until it's eventually revealed that he planted candy in Floyd's uh, barbershop to try to lure the dog there. I want to I talk about this bit with Howard McNear with Floyd the barber because a couple of weird things happen. Number one, boy, they're just not even pretending the dude can stand up anymore, right? He spends the entire ep- no. he spends the entire scene just sitting in his chair, kind of like laid back. I don't know how long after the stroke this was, but he's not doing well. And it's it feels weird. It really they're not even giving him jokes or anything to do. They're just like, hey, Floyd, you still alive? And Howard Morris is like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I am. (laughs) Look at me. Do you want to see me move my arm? Flops it around. There it is. Every single time he I'm, appears on screen, it's kind of like he's just holding up today's newspaper, but it's for like contract purposes. Like, yeah, I feel like somebody was obligated to appear in a certain number of episodes or someone wasn't getting paid. And that's what this whole thing feels like. He's just hanging. Oh, that dude Howard should be Moore, at home. Mc- McNear, Howard McNear. How, yeah. Howard McNear is just like, hey, Andy, I'm behind on my hospital payments. And Andy's like, let's get you in an episode. <laughs> and he's just like, like, hey, Floyd, what you doing? Sitting. Cool. All right. Back to the episode. And the deal is you, you're close. Barney and the dog had appeared at the barbershop beforehand. And uh, Floyd had given the dog some candy before. So when, when the dog comes in and goes to Floyd, Floyd goes, oh, I bet he wants more of that candy. Oh, we had some candy before. And then Barney, Andy's like, all right, well, this isn't working. And then he and Barney leave. And then the camera just hangs out on Floyd for too long. There's not a bit. Just There's not a joke. Him. I think I, upon second viewing i thought like there's a thing where it looks like he's about to put his wet sticky lollipop back in his pocket and he doesn't and then he tries again and he doesn't but there's no build to it it's very subtle you would absolutely miss it and instead we're just kind of like watching this weirdo so that whole ordeal happens um it's not very funny (laughs) um it's just kind of like look at this shit dog like here's floyd all right finally we get into the manhunt all right, because the state police show up and they say, okay, so guess what? The guy is in your woods. He's headed your way. But Andy even says, hey, you hear that? Barney's trying to, like, train a dog. They say, hey, you could use a dog. And Andy's like, not this one. This dog yeah. sucks. And then the state, the state police is like, oh, it's a shit dog. And Andy's like, it's a real shit dog. And he's like, all right, cool. Have Have, have fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. We have... We have no follow-up questions for you. And then I mean, what bounces. would you ask? Like, I wouldn't care either. These, these, 
The purpose of the state cops is to drop off the information and then leave as soon as possible. Yeah. I would probably have some follow-up question. Be like, so you're not going to use that trash dog on this in, on this manhunt, right? And, and Andy would probably be like, no. But I'll probably be like, you're not going to bring that whole guy with you, are you, right? <laughs> you have some other help. And Andy would be like, no. And they'd be like, oh, maybe we should get other police for this they keep saying like this whatever i'm not even gonna remember his fucking name it's dupree or something no oh, this dupree, no he's not. a real a tough real... customer no it's not it's a terrible like really boring name he's like it's like howard neal or like frank neal or something like this yeah ralph like, neal like, the criminal's name is ralph is neal. ralph neal but when andy and barney speak to him they call him neal as if that is his first name yeah um, but yeah, they keep reiterating like he's a real tough customer. This guy's a grade A bastard, a real piece of shit through and through. You got to watch out for this guy. He'll fucking kill you. So they probably should have been like, well, since this is apparently the most dangerous manhunt that has ever occurred, maybe we get the A team in here. Um, but instead, they're just like, all right, well, we just gave you a portion of the manhunt to do later. <laughs> we sure you, we're sure you got this. Um, so Andy tells barney and he's like all right man good news congratulations you're gonna be so pumped we got a manhunt there's a manhunt happening finally your day is fucking come there we're hunting a man hey, Bar- let's go barney gets really excited they do one more bit with the whistle where he's like look what i can get this guy to this dog to do and he blows the whistle and he goes come on blue come on go guy with a gun he, he waves a gun at the dog uh i wanted to go look up like statistically how many co- how many dogs cops shoot each year but it's insanely high and it would just depress everybody yeah but Bar- it's barney does absurdly high barney does wave a, a gun at this dog oh god this yeah so barney like tries to prove that the dog will be useful by saying all right listen i'm gonna pretend to have a gun and the dog is going to disarm me um, and he does it like 40 times where he like waves a gun in the dog's face and then he blows the whistle and eventually the dog, not irritated by the gun, but by the whistle, knocks over Barney. And Andy is like, OK, that was fucking useless. Yeah. That was nothing. But I guess if it'll get us out of this building, I will let you bring the dog. Andy basically says like, all right, that just to, to set it up. Andy says, well, that's really useful if the guy is wearing your uniform, yelling that he has a gun, and blowing on that whistle. Um, so, yeah, they're doing the manhunt, and Barney is insisting on bringing the dog. Um, they get there, and Barney is like, all right, the dog is going this way. I'll, let's go. And Andy is like, I don't want any fucking part of what you are doing right now. You can go whatever direction you want with the fucking dog. I'm going this way. It, whatever happens to you, I don't want to be liable for it. All right, let, let, let's have um, a debate here. Let's have a debate here. Because uh, the dog does immediately take them to the prisoner, to the guy. Yeah. Does immediately do it. That is after Barney shows him a picture of the dog. It's like, I'm. Uh, why would I do that? I'm not gonna shows show him a picture of the criminal. criminal. Yeah, I'm sorry. So he shows the dog a picture of another dog. And it's like, <laughs> and hey. The dog is like, got it. You like that? You like this? Yeah. You want, this is one of you. <laughs> Just in case you forgot what your deal is, here's a dog. The dog is like, got it. Let's got it. solve some crimes. That's me. That's me. I got it. 
It's one of my guys. The dog, the dog looks at the the picture of the criminal that Barney shows him, and and does immediately. You're he right. Does find the criminal immediately. But find he, the criminal. So do we think? But this is that's pure coincidence, right? Like, well, here's the thing: the dog looks at the picture of the criminal and says. That's my dad now. Yes. Yeah, he <laughs> finally, on it. a man I can respect <laughs> and says, I need to find him. Finally, I have seen a, a, a human worthy of my companionship. I need to I need to hunt him down. So, yes, he does find him, but then immediately submits to him right. as the alpha. It's very funny. Um, like, honestly, that, that's my favorite part is just that the dog, like, flips immediately. Like, the yeah, dog. Yeah, and just... I mean, could Fully I could gives I, all of his love and affection towards this criminal? I mean, can I say that he flips when I don't think this dog was ever on Barney's side to begin with? No, the dog was actively sabotaging Barney from day one. The dog has never pretended to be on the side of law. The, he was he basically was like, oh, finally, some crimes I can do. Fuck yeah. It's an outlaw dog. Leads, leads but this dog is kind of fucking a cab. I think um, Outlaw was one of the names of the dogs that played Hobo on The Littlest Hobo. It's pretty. It's a pretty deep I'm cut pretty for this sure. show I'm pretty sure. But, like, yeah, that, that is a deep cut for us. But, yeah, Littlest yeah. Hobo. We've got Patreon episodes on it. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. So he does. He does go find it. God, I don't even. You, you know what's going to happen here, folks. Barney runs into the criminal. The he He takes too long to realize that the criminal is the criminal. Uh, Neil pulls a gun on him um, and then proceeds to take Barney hostage in. So Neil's not that fucking smart a, because one Neil's of the plan dumbest, is, it's one of the dumbest criminals on a show full of dumb criminals. It is. He has an unprecedented drop on the Andy Griffith show characters. And his plan is he says, all right, I'm going to take you hostage. Cops aren't going to shoot me when I have another cop at gunpoint. You and this dog, we're going to come to a cabin I've uh, broken into. Um, I'm going to take a nap <laughs> while you're tied to a chair. And then in the morning, we'll drive out. Then no point goes like, hey, you're alone, right? There's no other cops here. You're definitely just a single cop that came out here with a dog. But yeah, and then proceeds to go fully asleep. <laughs> takes a fucking huge nap. Just a power nap. Fully unconscious. Leaves uh leaves Don Knotts tied to a chair. Barney manages to get out of the knots, but he doesn't do it by like doing some cool shit to untie himself. He's not he's just tied he's to the chair. So tied, he, no, he's not tied to the chair. The ropes do not make contact with the chair. Yeah. He's just his arms are tied behind his back and around the chair. So he can easily just stretch up. And his legs are not tied at all. He just stands he just, up. He just needs to stand up did, and calmly walk out the door. Did you only, only have a foot of rope? Wait, Was there a has, shortage? Why? Well, he has no faith in this human being to be able to stand up, which decent call. But yeah, Barney, all he needs to do is stand up, calmly walk out the door and leave. And he can be out of this at any point because this guy is hardcore snoring unconscious. Just completely asleep. And... and- his his saving grace is again that that dog has imprinted on him as a parental unit and is willing to fight and die for for Neil, his new father. Do we think the um, dog loves Neil or the dog hates Barney? Yes. Okay. Um. Accurate. 
Uh, so the dog starts barking at Barney, waking Neil up. Neil waves around his gun, makes Barney sit back down, goes back, goes to, back sleep. to sleep. <laughs> he goes back to sleep. That's the part Hell yeah. Sleep. Narrowly avoided escape attempt by this police officer. Time to continue catching some Z's. Um, Neil has and- no sense of urgency for a minute. You, you know the thing about men on the run? They're supposed to run. They, they generally move. They generally spend a lot of time in motion. Like you're on a manhunt. You don't get a time to take a lot of sleep. The best time to take a power nap is when you're in immediate proximity to a cop. Unarmed or a, a cop who is in danger of losing his life. That is the best time to rest and recuperate. Can I just say, like, nobody here is trying very hard, even by Andy Griffith show standards. No one here is trying very hard. Anytime anybody holds, like, the gun or has a gun on them, I, I just keep on myself saying, just take it. Just just yeah. grab it. There are two of you and one of him, and the gun is so close. Like, you could yeah. just, you could just go, eh, and just smack him just, and just grab it. Like, I feel like at this point, like, if he was holding the gun in your face, he could just be like, Hey, can I see that for a second? He'd be like, oh yeah, sure. And then you'd be like, all right, well, I have the gun now. And he'd be like, damn it. I mean, there are, Got me again. There are numerous times, even off screen, where like it makes sense they should have been able to get the gun from him. He does have two guns, to be fair. At this point, he does have he does have Barney's gun as well in his back pocket. Um Yeah. So Andy we have to Andy pretty much just We do have to dissect the butt fuckery that happens when Andy shows up because it is confusing and stupid. I don't okay, so Andy comes in, uh basically stumbles across this cabin by accident, crawl, mm-hmm. crawls up to the window, sees Barney tied up inside. They do a little bit where they're trying to read each other's lips poorly, and it goes on way too long. Uh, I can't understand what either of them are saying, so it's not like I'm, I'm missing out on the joke of what they're trying to communicate yeah. to each other because they're both bad at. Well, I think safe. I think the joke is that Barney also didn't know what was happening because uh, as soon as like as soon as he opens the door, as soon as Andy opens the door, Barney just runs right out. But now Neil wakes up and has the gun on Andy. Yeah, so Andy runs in. I'm assuming with his with his gun with out, his gun drawn, yeah, yes, and I'm assuming he thought that Barney was going to um, tackle somebody, do something, like- throw his body on Neil to prevent him from getting up. Unclear, but Barney runs out the door. Andy stands there, and then Neil just calmly saunters up and just takes Andy's gun, and Andy is like, ah. And then Barney runs back inside, and then so, yeah, Neil I, has I, them both. Hostage. At that point, at that point, the bit is that Andy says, "Where do you think? Where do you think my my deputy's going? He's going to go get backup. He's going to go get everybody, and the cops are going to have to place him around in a couple minutes. He's probably lying, but then he's it's like, okay, cool. Well, Barney, that's that's Plan B is for Barney to go get somebody else. Except they open the door, and Barney now with his hands untied." Just is there, and now he's got just walks in, and now he's he's got both of them. So now he's got two cops hostage. Yep. And so he changes into Barney's uniform, right? He makes him change clothes. Which you know what you can't do while holding a gun? Put fucking pants on. Put a shirt on. Like how? Yeah. It, It. 
again, I'm assuming that he was really banking on the fact that the dog would rip Barney's fucking throat out if uh, if he tried anything. At some point the in time, dog the is shirt most of his plan. <laughs> Which explains the next part, which is that, like, as they walk out with him in Barney's uniform and Barney dressed up as as him and Andy in his regular uniform. And he's like, OK, we're going to drive away and they're going to we're going to pretend that he's the ba- that Barney is me. And we're just going to drive and I'm going to hold this gun to you and yeah, we're going to act like that. And then he goes, wait, where's the dog? To which I respond. I responded, who cares? Like, why do you yeah. care? Why do you care where the You're dog is? You're winning so hard. You, are already you really need the dog. So far ahead. Why? Why, why do you yeah. care? You're the bad guy. And hey, guess what happens? He get does... Andy gets him to blow the whistle to get the dog. The dog doesn't like the whistle. Right. He hates Barney and thinks that Neil is Barney, so he tries to kill Neil. He jumps on Neil, and but, then um, sh- Andy jumps on him and steals his gun. So now they've all got the guns. And then Neil just kind of gives up. Like, he just, like, they just kind of push him. Neil doesn't punch or run or shove or anything. He's just like, ah. Neil is just kind of like, well, I had fun. Yeah. And <laughs> this was a good time. And, I, you know, I wasn't really into that whole escaping thing. You guys just kind of were fun, and I was just kind of seeing where this went. Neil responds. So I guess I'm a- Neil responds like the same way you do the first time you play poker with your buddies. Like, ah, yeah, all right, that didn't work out well, but I had a good time. You know, right, yeah, you're okay. You guys got yeah. me. Yeah, ridiculous. I now know what a flush is. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. This was a good time. At least, at least, well, at least I learned something here today. Yeah. The stinger on this is so fucking stupid, but also it should have been the entire episode. The stinger on this is straight up Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, so Barney and Andy lock themselves in the jail cell with Neil on the other jail cell. They lock themselves in all the time. The dog, for some dumb reason, has the keys. And then you were cheated to a little bit where both Barney and Neil were sitting there going, Come here, come here, come on, boy. So... Honestly, if it were up to me, that would have been the entire episode. The entire episode would have been around. That would have been great. Would have been based around He's... like all Neil in one cell, them in another, trying to get a dog to come to them, or both of them trying to get keys. You know, that would be at least a a payoff for the constant they lock themselves in the cell jack gags, right? That would be a great bottle episode. It would have been solid. It's, yeah. Instead, we just kind of wham 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 wham. So the real, I'm sorry, the, the Manhunt franchise is really coming off the wheels, folks. Like, when they got to add dogs to this. I don't know. We're, yeah. we're, we're averaging, what, one, 1. 1.5 Manhunts a season. So hopefully we'll have better Manhunts later. But this one is... <laughs> Doubtful. This is not, not the way we've been going. Uh, <laughs> do, uh, do you want to do a rating for this episode? Always chasing that high of the first Manhunt. The first Manhunt is so weird. Like, and it comes mm. out of nowhere, and... The energy of it, I don't know. We're still chasing that. So, for Dog Hunt, I don't know. Ratings, I hated this episode of TV. I had to watch. Oh, my God. I didn't mind it that much. And then we talked about it, and I fucking hate it. We, that was, I mean, there's some good physical comedy stuff, which does not lend itself to being described in a podcast episode. But I can just say, Don Knotts does some funny stuff with his body while pretending to be overpowered by a dog. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to give it a four. 
I give it a two. I'm I'm tired of look. Yeah, Don Knotts is is a funny looking dude who makes funny faces. Fucking whoop de doo, two, <laughs> fucking two. Barney meter. Um, no one gives a shit. This this didn't do any permanent damage. Like there's nothing offensive. There's nothing that upsets me about this. We got a dog that hates cops, and you know what? I think that undoes the Vietnam uh, points. Yeah, so flat so out zero. We get an American hero in a dog that wants to rip Barney's throat out uh, and watch him bleed in the street. I'm going to call you out on the Vietnam points, because I went and listened to the episode where you where you introduced that concept, and I vetoed it from the very beginning. From the very beginning, I said, if we have to dock points for any show that has an American war crime happening in the background, we have to dock points for every television show ever made. I It's cool that you think you can veto me. Huh? <laughs> I tried it's to cool that you think you that have that down. power. I tried to shut that oh, down really? from the very beginning. Oh, really? And I know. I'll add fucking <laughs> Vietnam points to whatever I goddamn I know feel like. I by saying that, I'm just triggering you to do it more. But Yeah. I, I just... There's Vietnam points in your fucking best man toast now, bitch. <laughs> All right? How about that? I'll add Vietnam points to whatever I fucking feel like. Okay? You're not my dad. You can't tell me what to do. I'll put Vietnam points where I fucking feel like. I am podcast dad. We've referred to me (laughs) as such numerous times. Well, guess what? I'm rebelling now. Podcast Vietnam points stay in. Point episodes as a result of having occurred during the Vietnam War and not spoken out against the atrocities committed against the Vietnamese people get a two point uh, to the Barney meter. All right? It's what's happening. I, I guess I lost. I, I'm sorry to raise my voice, but you made me do it, Marty. You made me fucking do it. I guess I lost this round. All right. Great. You did. Great. Cool. Fantastic. Uh, I hate email breaking Mayberry at gmail.com to tell us how much you love the Vietnam points. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marty, do you want to take out the Vietnam points? And if, and if so, why do you hate the Vietnamese people? All right. So the next episode, <laughs> so the next episode is I take umbrage with the description of this. Of this episode. We're talking about season five, episode seven, Man in the Middle. Airs November 2nd, 1964, written by two dudes who I've never seen before, will never see again. Uh, and they don't have links on their Wikipedia, but their names are Gus Adrian and David Evans, and directed by mm-hmm. Alan Rafkin. And the description of this says Andy tries to settle a lover's quarrel between Barney and Thelma Lou, only to get himself caught in the middle. I don't think that's what happens. No. I think the first statement is inaccurate because Andy doesn't try to settle shit. He's the one Andy's- who doesn't meddle. He's like, he's not like, oh, maybe you kids will get back together. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to fix everything. Season one Andy would have done that because season one Andy yeah. is f- capable of like reacting to stimuli. This Andy is just so laconic. It, Barney comes in and says, hey. I have broken up with my girlfriend of five years, and it, and I am very upset about that. Um, and Andy goes like, well, you know. And, and the big thing is Barney says, you know what? I guess we just were not meant to be together. And Andy just goes like, that might be the truth. Yeah, maybe. And he's just like, you know, maybe, maybe you'll feel better about it in the morning. You'll get back together. Maybe you won't. And if so, that's not a big deal. Like, which is kind of... 
I'm sure, right? Sort of the right thing to say yes. when your friend breaks up with somebody because you don't want to be like, hey, man, you got to get back together with her. You guys are meant to be together because if it doesn't work out, then you just fucked up real bad. Or or you, also, really, you also really don't want to be the mistake of being like, well, she was terrible anyway and we all hated her because, like, number one, what, what what good does that do you? And because like at best he's yeah. gonna be like, well, why the hell didn't you tell me? But at worst they're gonna get back together and shit's gonna get real weird. Like yeah, so Andy does the smart thing, which is basically like, like just really hedges bets, but also do it with no compassion whatsoever. Um, all right, we we, we, need, we th- need to talk through this, this episode. We need to talk through. This. I want to I want to highlight two things. One. And it ties into the opening of this episode. This is the most into each other that Andy and Helen Crump have ever been or seen. This is the most that they have appeared to have romantic chemistry and actually enjoy each other's company. Do you think this is filmed? Ever. Do you think this is filmed after the affair? Do you think that this is? <gasps> oh, this do you is think this when is they the moment fucking. where they started in real life sleeping together? Maybe. Yeah. I'll say this though. You're you're you are correct. This is the most like into each other they've ever been. And it still sucks total ass. It's basically the impression that I get from them is they are fucking. They are hooking up. They are casually dating. They're neither of them are looking for anything that serious. And I'm like, all right, that is the vibe I am getting. I am cool with it. Two, the second thing. We forget a lot in this show that Thelma Lou is also a fucking moron. Um, it gets oh, in a lot of our justice for Thelma Lou stuff, we overlook it, and we don't really give her the credit of, of looking at her at a character and remembering that on several occasions, she proves herself to be uh, equally dumb as Barney, yes. and that's pretty much why they're together. She is fucking stupid. And... That is, those are the two things that stuck out to me. Okay, so let's let's keep those two things in mind, those two points in mind as we walk into this. All right, so the opener is that Andy and Crump are walking back from lunch. They're going, they're going outside the jail. They do some really terrible ad libbing about like a green dress. Like it's it's very clearly filler lines about like, okay, well we need to fill some space before Dawn gets here. Whatever. But but it's but okay, but it is also like establishing that they like each other romantically because they're like talking about going out later. And he's like, Oh, why don't you wear that nice green dress? You look good. And she's like, Oh man, you like that green dress. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's like, that's fine, whatever. Well, yeah. It's like a little, it's horny. Barney, Barney um, storms in and he does the thing where he's like, you know, the, the, the thing that everybody does where you, you like make a big deal about being upset. But when someone's like, Hey man, what's your problem? They're like, I don't want to talk about it. But then you like take like dramatic poses yeah. against he the wall. He is like, like leaning against the the wall, like with his his hand against it, going, "Alas, woe is me." <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Um, and Andy eventually is like, "What happened?" And Barney says that he got into a big fight with Elma Lou, and Andy's like, "Well, you've gotten in fights before," and he's like, "Never like this." She said that I never take her out anywhere. And I got really mad because I take her to church and uh, we go out to we go out and get the special at the diner and we go we, we get watch we, TV at her we watch place. TV at her place. And then on Saturday and Saturdays when I'm at work, she's here. You think that I would think that you think that she's saying I'm cheap or something. And Andy's like, I don't know. 
And, you know, obviously, yeah. okay, like you don't need us to explain this, but obviously it's not about the money. It's about the fact that they're in a rut and they do the same things every single week to the point where Barney can memorize the schedule and list off specific days and times. You don't, it doesn't matter. You don't need us to tell you this. Yeah. Uh, Just, Thelma Lou is in a horrible relationship with a nightmare person. And uh, Andy's initial response is, well, you know, women be bitches. Like, his yeah. exact phrase is like, well, women go through phases, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe they'll think you're taking advantage of them, or maybe they'll think you're not listening to them, or I don't know. Women are just, they they go through stuff. You basically says, you don't need to consider her feelings whatsoever. Don't worry about this whatever. She'll, she will grow out of it. You know, this is, this is just like when Opie started wearing that, uh, that, black nail polish on his on, on and stuff started calling himself opeford got really into I that anime that boy's pure records <laughs> i i took it as much more uh much more passive than that where he was like well you know women say things and then they say other things <laughs> and sometimes they think things about the things they said that are different than the things they said sometimes they don't and if I keep talking long enough, you'll move on to another topic. <laughs> He's basically just being like, well, you know, things happen. Then other things happen. <laughs> like, just could not give a fuck. I mean, okay, so, so Thumbaloo actually dumped him this time. And, yeah. and Barney's like, five years wasted. Andy's being really nice saying, well, you didn't waste your time. And this is the key part is that Barney's kind of says like, well, maybe we just weren't meant for each other. And Andy says, I don't know. It's possible. Maybe. Barney's going full men. They're going their own way, by the way. Barney's going full on just like, we don't need women at all. Look at those sailors and their men on the oil rigs out in the woods. They do just fine without women. And I'm like, yeah, sailors. Yeah. Tell tell us more about how those sailors do just fine without women there, Barn. Keep going. Oh, God. He's he's looking up Jordan Peterson passages as this is happening. Oh, it's super gross. Um, but so he says, I'm done. I'm done with women. And you know what? Fine, dude. Let's, we've all said it after we've been dumped. Like, right. We've all yes. said this. Cut to Thelma Lou and Barney making out. They're back together. Barney says he's special. Or sorry. Barney says he's sorry. And he's going to splurge from now on. Like, no more specials. We're going to get steak sandwiches, soups, and salad. Yeah, basically, he's like, I will spend, we will change nothing about our routine, but I will spend slightly more money on you. And it works because, again, Thelma Lou's a fucking idiot. And she's like, steak sandwiches? Salads? Nothing else that I want out of my life? I'll take it. There's no, uh, apparently, there's no eligible men in this town. Thelma Lou, please. Like, it's, 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 um, it's really sad. Like, she doesn't, she knows she wants more, but she doesn't even know what else exists in the world to ask for. So, the steak sandwich is about as good as she's going to get. Just a deeply pathetic character. She, she is a goldfish in a bowl, and she knows that there is a world outside of that bowl, but she can't fathom what it could possibly be. <laughs> She's just trapped in a prison that she can't even understand. Uh, it's that's that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they get there, and at this point, it's kind of like like Barney's. I don't know why he does this. 
He just sits there and he just starts chuckling. He's like, <laughs> Andy said the funniest thing. You're going to kick, kick out of this. Andy said the funniest, dumbest thing. He said that maybe you weren't meant for me. Which, why? What what motive could you possibly have had to say this, Barney, other than to just to cause all this offense? It's just such you. It's just a shitty writing. Like, there's no motivation for him to say this other than to start the the, the course of the events. I've I I hate this about myself, but I found this horribly relatable. Where you're just in a moment, and then there's a thought in your head where you kind of know it's about to ruin everything. Oh yeah, and you. And and there's nothing that thought can do if said out loud but ruin everything, but it's just kind of slowly working its way out of your mouth, yep. um, and then it ruins everything, and you're like, "What? Come on, what? So I didn't mean that thing I just said." So Bar- Barney says that Andy said, "Maybe you weren't meant for me," and Thelma Lou's entire response is. So Andy doesn't really like me. Andy's been so nice to me, but he, she doesn't like me at all, which no, that's a whole new sentence. That's a completely different thought process, Thelma Lou. Yeah. It's not not being right for Barney doesn't mean you know, you know what? I'm sorry. I I I, I can't. I, I can't explain this to you like fictional character from sixty years ago. I just that's not what any of this means. But fine. Continue. Continue the plot of this Wait. episode. That Hinges Which, upon you all the, being, you all having the fucking communication patterns of turtles. Like, I don't. Thelma, yeah, basically what Andy says is like, you know, Andy said that maybe the fact that we're, we break up is okay. And Thelma Lou basically was like, wait, 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 he didn't tell you to scale my walls and like break into my house and and insist your love on me? What the fuck is Not wrong even with that? that. Not even that. At least that would be like related to the situation on hand. Like. If someone loses me, response is that means Andy must hate me. Yeah, like, that means Andy doesn't like me. <sighs> you suggested that us breaking up is fine. That must be a personal slight against me. And decides from that point, she hates Andy's guts. Um, she will never speak to him again. They are now enemies. So the, um, so the next day, hard cut to Andy walking into the jail and being like. Hey, I just said hi to Thelma Lou and she completely iced me. What the fuck is going on? Um, and Barney is basically like, well, you know, I told her about that thing you said. And Andy, it's like Andy becomes more and more of an actual character yeah. over the course yeah. of this episode. And it's like he's being electrocuted back to life <laughs> with sheer annoyance where he's just like, I didn't say that. You said that. What the fuck? You said it. I just agreed that it might be true. You can't, I can't go down for this. You said it. And Barney's like, listen, you're passing off blame on me, man. I'm, I'm going to try to do what I can for you, but you know, it is what it is. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Um, go t- cut over to Helen's house or Thelma Lou's house. Who cares? Helen and Thelma Lou yeah. are talking about it, and Helen says, "I don't think that doesn't seem like a thing that that Andy would say." Is Barney exaggerating? Because Barney, come on, we all know that like Barney never like Barney only has like a ten percent awareness of what anybody else is doing at any time. Helen says something like, "It doesn't seem like you're being very fair here." Thelma Lou continues to flip the fuck out. Yeah. Says you're the ones who aren't being fair. You're taking his side. 
And Helen says, I'm not taking anyone's side. This isn't really any of my business. Although I, I kinda I kinda am taking the side of my boyfriend. Like Yeah. Like <sighs> Like yeah, she's taking the side of her partner. Like, yeah, partner, of partner. course she would. Like Yeah, like yeah, of course she fucking is, or is at least trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, she's not immediately like, oh, fuck him. He's a dead man. Do you want to go do donuts in his front yard and tell his kid he's ugly? Fuck yeah. Let's throw a brick through his fucking aunt. Thummel is about to storm out. And Helen, Helen, great, great de-escalation skills here, Helen. You clearly shown what a great teacher you are. You should be around children all the time. Because Helen's Helen's way to to de-escalate the situation is to say, oh, come on now, Thelmaloo. It's not like you to be so childish. Yeah. Boom! The gasoline meat fire. Some big old thing. So now she's mad at Helen for saying she's childish. And then, all right, I'm going to write down, I'm going to tell you exactly what I wrote down of this script, of, of the next scene, to describe the situation we're at. And as I do this, I want you to remember that human beings are capable of really just amazing complex communication patterns and understanding so many nuances of everything like this is a thing that we've evolved to do this is really what keeps us alive is our ability to mm-hmm. communicate with one another barney tells andy that thelma Lou told him that helen called her childish when she was telling helen about what barney told her that andy said to barney after barney and thelma Lou's fight am i accurate is that correct dan that is cool that is correct. that is cool i someone kill me uh <laughs> just again everybody in this everyone in this this scene is 40 these are all adults with full-time jobs we even get confirmation that thumbaloo has a job because she gets called in from work in this so now andy and barney have a fight because andy's like well i think thumbaloo is being a little childish and uh barney's like well i think that thumb that Helen's being a child because she's being a child saying that Thelma lose a child. And they sit there and they just go, you're being a child. You're being a child. To be clear, the show is aware of how obnoxious and childish this is. They mention it numerous times. They say throughout the script several times, this is some shit that we do in high school. And yet, for some reason, for some reason, it would be worse if they were unaware of it. But the fact that the writers are clearly aware of it and then said, eh, put it out there on the screen anyway, that'll be fun to watch, makes it so much worse. I, I want to, so I, I found this episode to take a, take a brief pause. I found this episode weirdly resonant and I, I was kind of like, I was kind of vibing on it and I was trying to figure out like, why is this kind of working for me? And then I realized part way through watching it, I am pretty sure that I was in this exact situation my junior year. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that this yeah exact thing happened to me all were almost verbatim (laughs) so i was i was kind of like oh wow well this isn't uh well this is a bad episode of the andy griffith show this is a pretty good episode of degrassi this is kind of when they really get to the truth of how fucking dumb it is to be a teen barney does a quote which is um okay i've 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 got the quote uh, here i've got the quote here barney says so deep a friendship hath one man for another that no female caress shall ever tear it asunder. 
boy, the guy that wrote that must have been some kind of a nut. And I was like, who the fuck did write that? And the answer is, who wrote this episode? <laughs> well, no, no, I found, I sort of found it. I couldn't find, I, I, I couldn't find the source on this at all. I even, I, I Googled, I, I, I Googled uh, that exact quote. Me too. And it came up with C.S. Lewis. Did it? Um, Yeah, C.S. Lewis. But the thing was, I can't verify it 100% because it was in a, a big fucking like list of quotes of like C.S. Lewis on love. So it's buried within like 20 fucking paragraphs of him just going like love and women and men and love. And love is the only thing keeping life together. And I've read and some C.S. Lewis and this doesn't sound like him does not but that's the best i got is that he's he came up in in google so maybe i don't know man yeah (laughs) that's my best i've looked at like everyone has looked this up uh and and as far as i can tell it has nothing to do with it but what i did find was somebody who collected four pages of andy griffith tv show sound bites that are just in waveform I am glad that this person selected a bunch of Andy Griffith show sound bites. I guess that'll be useful to me and me only. <laughs> I can't believe I've got to be the only person that this is useful for. And yet here it is. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to so, be getting some good use out of this. Thank you. Ross Walker.co.uk for this. Oh, we got a Brit on this. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Okay. So that happens. Barney goes Some of these are from episodes we've already done. I might have to go back in and edit these sounds in. Why? 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 People that like this show are so fucking weird. Um, so Barney takes this conversation and reports it to Thelma Lou, who then takes that out of context and says that um, Andy referred to Helen Crump as the third party. To which Hel- Helen Crump goes, he didn't even refer to me by name. It's getting increasingly outlandish what people are getting upset about. What? Because she basically breaks up with him remotely over the fact that he did not refer to her directly by name over the course of um, this. Uh, yeah, okay. Hang on uh, a second. I, maybe I blacked out, but I feel like you skipped something here. Right? What? Okay. So Andy picks up, so Barney picks up Andy, and Andy, th- he does say the third party thing. He says, oh, right, yeah. right. so Barney picks up Andy and they're still mad at each other. But Andy says something like, hey, man, just because he- Thelma Lou and Helen are fighting doesn't mean you and I got to fight. Right. Like there's And he says there's no reason to change things because some third party made a remark. Do we really got to get mixed up in this? And then Barney goes, yeah, all right. I agree. We should probably like we don't need to deal with this. And then they go, boy, man, if only we could get the women together like this. And Andy goes, well, it's not that easy with women. They're petty bitches. And he says that. He does say with women, they can be a little more petty. So when Barney does the fucking parent trap move and he tells both Selma Lou and uh, Helen to come to the the jail, lies to both of them, says it's an emergency, we get confirmation that Selma Lou has some job because she came from work. Uh, and then so gets them together and like, I hate this thing that TV shows do where all you have to do to solve a dispute between two people is get them in the same room. Like 
that works maybe one out of ten times in my experience. But he gets them in. They both say, well, fuck this. We're out. And then Barney goes, boy, aren't you both a bunch of stereotypical petty women? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Andy was right. And they go, what was Andy about? right about? He said it wasn't worth breaking up a friendship because a third party said something. And that's where the thing happens that you said, where Helen's get really upset because she was referred to as a third party. Not because Andy said all women are petty. Yeah. Yeah. So the, Ellie would have been pissed the, about the, that. Season one, season one love interest would have had some shit to say about that. But Helen Crump, worst character ever, is like, how dare you refer to me in legal status as a third party? Helen Crump gets like, so mad at contracts. <laughs> Helen Crump listen. looked at her rent agreement and was like, I'm a party in this and just tore it up and threw it in her landlord's face. You call me by name when you call me a dumb bitch, okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right? You don't say some woman is a dizzy slut that should keep her mouth shut. You say Helen Crump. Honestly, dude, if if we took what you just said, if we got like a picture of Marilyn Monroe and wrote the words, you call me by my name when you call me a dumb bitch, that would do gangbusters on Facebook. <laughs> that would be posted on so many Facebook. We that would be a viral sensation. <laughs> honestly, honestly, one of us needs to download TikTok and get our significant others to say that into a TikTok, and then we can, I guess, retire. <laughs> I think we'll make enough revenue off of that somehow <laughs> to to just get an island. The next Timothy Chalamet movie, call me by your name when you call me a dumb bitch. Hey, there we go. There we go. There's, there's, a, there's yeah. a requisite Timothy Chalamet reference. Chalamet. They run out there. Uh, Andy comes in and he's like, hey, girls, you're here. And they're like, fuck you. Fuck you refer to referring to us in legal status. My name is Crump. Yeah. And then she spells her name. And I'm just like, God damn it. If you... You named a character Helen Crump. I really, you should not draw attention to that fact. That's such a glaring yeah. error for you. Why did you not change this character's name? You could have done it. You've you've changed so many continuity things in this episode, in this series. But no, they call attention to it. She spells it out. They run out. Both women are mad. I thought it was with a K. Yeah. Uh, Andy and Barney are like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm not going to play Peacemaker anymore. I, I don't want anything to do with this. Next scene, Barney is sitting there going, well, we can make peace with this, Thelma Lou. So they're not fighting anymore. Okay. Basically, they have bonded over their need to match make Andy and Helen Crump back together, who are fully broken up at this point. I kind of question if they were together in the first place. Because, like, they're not, they're seriously not that upset about it. Because, number one. They are no longer boning on their rag. Because, all right. Their only move is to do the exact same thing that Barney just failed to do and trick them into coming into the same room together. Like, they just, they do the exact same thing, but dumber. Because they both lie to each other and say, oh, we're going to take you on a blind date. We've got someone to meet you. And both of them are just like, well, I just broke up with my partner this morning, but yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah. They are just super willing, which kind of makes me wonder, like, how I just how how? because they're both like, I wasn't emotionally attached to the other person in this relationship. And 
I have now missed my standard Thursday fuck sesh, so I am horny. And yeah, set me up with whatever blind date. H- Helen, what's her name? I don't fucking care. You know the, you uh, know the, I'm Andy Griffith, and I gotta drain my balls. You know the Pina Colada song, right? Yeah. You know how that song is about two people who are trying to cheat on each other and failing? Yeah. Right? You, you know how that song ends happily, even though it should end with two people like immediately breaking up? Yeah. So... That's this, right? Like, that's literally the exact thing. So they both tell... So Barney and Thelma Lou both tell the other two that they're going to take him on a date to meet them. And then they don't go to a restaurant or anything. They don't, like, put them together in in the jail and then run out or whatever. They drive to Helen's house. They get Andy in the car, and then they drive to Helen's house, and and Andy's like, come on, man. I I know what my girlfriend's house looks like. And then he goes, well, does Andy know or does Helen know it's me? And immediately Helen's like, I know what my boyfriend looks like. (laughs) She looks out the window and just like, that's him. It doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. And so Thelma Lou sells it on the basis of, well, he hasn't gotten out of the car and left yet. And Helen's like, that is a good sign that he hasn't just stormed away. So he he likes me enough to sit perfectly still. Oh, my God. So they were tricked into seeing each other. For some reason, he doesn't leave. They continue to do this. And then Barney just abandons the car. He drives them out to the middle of nowhere, just gets out of the car, and walks away, presumably with the keys. Yeah, he just basically says, like, Thelma Lou, come on, let's go out into the hills. (laughs) And uh, presumably to try to do hand stuff. So the climax of this works for me in that, like, the resolution is Andy and Helen just basically go, like, these two sure are fucking stupid, right? Why do we let them do this to mm, us? Mm, they mm, suck and we mm, mm, no. I have it written down like here. Helen, sa- Helen says that like, I'm sorry, Andy. I overreacted. I know you didn't mean anything by what you said. And Andy's the one who said, I shouldn't have gotten involved with them either. And Helen says, we sure did learn a lesson, which I would say, did you? I would say, yes, they what, did. What did you learn? They learned that their friends are nutsacks that they shouldn't associate with as much as possible. And they both move on to their lives saying, we're just going to ignore everything they say to us. And which is immediately put into practice when Barney and Thelma Lou storm back into the car, having the exact same argument they were having at the beginning of the episode. And instead of engaging with it, Andy and Helen Crump make out. So it is like, is it the right lesson that they should learn? No, they should learn a lesson about communication and probably not doing misogyny. But the most practical lesson they can learn is to tune these fucking idiots out as white noise whenever they can. It's the most actionable possible lesson that they could get out of their lives. I wanted everybody in this episode to die. (laughs) And now they all have, and that makes me happy. Yeah, like it's. It, I, you're, it is, you're giving such benefit of the doubt, and I'm not allowing it. I won't do. You, 
You know what? You've 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 demonstrated that you can give whatever ratings you want on this shit, buddy. I I have no control over how you rate things. We're gonna have we're gonna have different but, ratings, but this is this is so fucking I horribly horribly realistic in what it is like to be a teenager. <laughs> right. Again, right. They're fucking 40. They're all 40. Like, that's that, is, of... that is one of my least favorite things to see on TV is adults acting yeah. like like teenagers. I, I hate this. Long, I hate it so much. I find it repellent. are the worst genre of television and it is I enjoyed the kind of like Rube Goldberg machine of bullshit that happens where it's just like, like, like where they're just like, Oh, let's watch these dumb neurons fire in these idiots brains that causes this increasingly cascading car crash to happen. I, I, I was, I, I enjoyed the final thing of them just basically saying, we're going to ignore Barney and Thumaloo because more so than anything, I was I was kind of struck by like, oh, right. I'm remembering after a little bit of a hiatus why I fucking hate Barney so much. And oh, yeah, I'm remembering that I don't particularly like Thelma Lou that much. <laughs> if anything, I didn't dislike her before. This made me really not fucking she's like her. She's a terrible. She's a goddamn chicken. She's I swear to God, you. You could like she has a vacancy behind her eyes over the course of this episode that is deeply infuriating. Crump is making it worse. Like I've I'm on yeah. record as being a Crump hater, and like mm-hmm. her infection of terribleness of being of her her chronic underwrittenness, like yeah the 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 cancer of bad writing that she suffers from, uh, is infecting others. This is like the most of a character she has ever been. And that character is a kind of mean person that doesn't really care about the people. A mean idiot. Yeah. A a person that they, they, they establish very clearly knows better, but is just so possessed by disdain for those around her that she can't help, but say something mean and get, like pulled into a bunch of bullshit honestly one of the great like a a great tragic character because she's it's impossible to root fully for her because she's mean and stupid but she's also in such a tragic situation that you kind of have like a witch came first situation right like i just honestly just brilliant and deeply complex but also dog shit so terrible what a terrible fucking character i hate all of it i hate it so much all of these people I hate it so much. I hated all this ratings. Uh, Andy meter. I'm gonna give it higher than you. I'm gonna say it's a. I'm gonna say it's a five because I found it funny at times. Go go go. Open up. Uh, open up with your machine. Gun. I mean, I'm, I don't even have anything. I've I've wasted all my ammunition. It's a fucking zero. It's a zero. Yeah. I hate all of this. I'm so glad that we don't. The guys who wrote this were apparently fired immediately. How how fucking <laughs> bad do you have to suck to get fired from the Andy Griffith show writing room, a show which will do literally anything? You can which they've done this like four times previously too, where Andy Barney and some love interests, maybe Thelma Lou, maybe Andy's girlfriend get embroiled in a complicated high school esque miscommunication. And normally it's been fine. They've been like, yeah, fuck it. Crank it out. This one was so bad that they were like, no, no, you flew too close to the sun. Icarus, get the fuck out of here. Um, 
So you you mentioned how you're you're happy that all these people are dead, yeah. right? <laughs> We're not even doing the Barney meter. Like, oh yeah, Barney meter. Who cares? Like, I'm, yeah, it, it's, it, uh... this didn't do any lasting damage. This didn't change anything between the dynamics between men and women. It's just stupid. It's just so stupid. The bar. Yeah. The, that's it. My Barney meter is a. Eh. It's, yeah, it's pretty so much that. dumb. There's okay, nothing. so yeah, normally I'd say as always you can get us in, on the internet, but no, I'm not doing. I email us, please. BreakingMayberry at gmail dot com. Like get on, get in touch with us via email. That's it. Uh, and go to our Patreon. Patreon. Go to our Patreon. Plug, plug the Patreon. Go to our Patreon. Patreon dot com uh, slash Breaking Mayberry. Uh, Eight dollars a month gets you everything, including access to our Discord, uh, ability to make us watch horrible things, bonus episodes, extended episodes, deleted scenes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and we just um we just did an episode on uh on a couple of Scooby Doo movies. Not going to spoil what they yeah. are. Fuck it. Um, we did an episode on the Scooby Doo Kiss crossover. So um, weird. It's weird. It's so weird. Uh, it's that's my pitch. Is hey, do you want to hear us talk about Scooby Doo and Kiss hanging out? You should because it's really weird. Um, all right. That's, that's and that's it. Yeah, I mean, you can follow the Breaking Mayberry at Break Mayberry Twitter account. It still exists, but I'm not using it. I can't be on that platform anymore. So I don't know. Maybe we'll get into Instagram again. I whatever. <laughs> that's it for this episode. We'll be taking off most of April, uh, and we'll be back in May to you know hinge our way through <laughs> season five. Here, the break is necessary. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we'll be taking off the most of April, or and we'll be back in May. Thanks everybody for listening and for sticking with us. I hope that you're enjoying this. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Aboo. Bum 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 b